Lord, we come before your word now. Lord, as I open up your word, I thank you that our hearts are already open to you as we've opened our hearts during the worship time. May we be receptive to the message of your word today. Give us ears to hear what you might be speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been looking at the I am passages in John's gospel. In, uh, in John 8.58, Jesus makes the, the declaration, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, quite a bold statement. Uh, last week, we saw Jesus claim to be the door into the sheepfold and his claim to be the good shepherd. He said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. And today we're going to look at two more of the I am claims of Jesus. First one is found in John 14. John 14, and I'll read the first seven verses. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where you go, and, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Here in John's Gospel, Jesus is looking ahead to his time of death, his resurrection, and his departure in his ascension into heaven. He tells his disciples that he will be going away and that when he goes, he will prepare a place for them. And after he has prepared a place, he will receive them to himself. This is one of my favorite passages when I, when I do a funeral, a memorial service for someone who's gone to be with the Lord, because the promises in here is, is so, so wonderful. See, it's much like, uh, it's much like a, a bridegroom who is betrothed to his, his bride, and he will go away, he'll go home, probably uh, to his father's house, his parents' house, and he'll build an addition onto that, that uh, home of his father. He's preparing a place for his bride. And this is the picture that comes to mind as Jesus is going to prepare a place until he returns to get his bride and to go bring that bride back to the home that he's prepared. So this is the picture that, that comes to mind when, uh, when Jesus says he's going to prepare a place uh, for them. Well, this was a little uh, confusing to the disciples. Thomas in particular, he, was, he said, okay, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't get it. And he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And then Jesus answers with the very bold statement, another I am declaration, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
no one comes to the Father except through me. He says this in answer to Thomas's question. How, how, how do I know the way? I don't know the way. Where are you going? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. These are pretty bold claims that Jesus is making here. Jesus didn't say that he knew the way or showed the way or was a way. He said that he was the way. He didn't say he proclaimed the truth. He said he was the truth. He didn't say he would lead his followers to life. He said he was the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, the way, the truth, and the life is about a person. The way is not a path to be found, but a person to be followed. The truth is not a set of principles to be adopted, but a person to be accepted. The life isn't a pilgrimage to be taken, but a person to be trusted. That person is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the absolute truth, and he is the only life. One cannot come to the Father unless they go through Jesus. That's a very bold statement where people might want to tell us there are many ways to God, many ways to heaven, many paths to, to get there. No, there isn't. Jesus says there's one way and that he was that way. Now, anybody can come along and make a claim like that. Very few would be bold enough to make that claim but Jesus made that claim because he was, in fact, the way, the truth, and the life. One cannot come to the Father except they go through Jesus, not through being good or doing good or through religious traditions or religious affiliations, not through Muhammad, not through Buddha, not through Confucius, not through any of the millions of gods of the Hindu or any other name. As it says in the, in the book of Acts, chapter uh, 4, verse, uh, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Yeah. One name, one name. Either Jesus is who he claimed to be, or he's the greatest deceiver and liar of all time. If you don't believe he is who he claimed to be, don't say that he was a great moral teacher. Don't say he was a great spiritual leader. Don't say he was even a very good man because how could the greatest deceiver and liar of all time be any of those things? But he is those things. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Those titles don't fit one who would be the biggest liar and greatest deceiver of all time, but Jesus is who he claimed to be, the eternal Son of God, the, the only Savior of the world, and in fact, the great I Am. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. No one else would dare to make a statement like that unless they were nuts. And we get those. <laughs> I mean, not we. We wouldn't have any nutty people here. <laughs> but they're out there. They're out there. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. We could not rejoice 
that there is one God, if it were not for the one mediator who stands between God and man to reconcile man to God. If there wasn't a mediator, we'd be separated from God for all eternity, but there is a mediator. There is only one, one mediator, no religious leader, no special saint, not even Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus is the only mediator. He said, the scriptures say that he was the only mediator. Either he is or he isn't. We've got to determine if we're going to believe what the word of God says. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 tells us that this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Some might say, well, that's a matter of interpretation. No, it's not a matter of interpretation. It's just reading the word, and it can't be any clearer. There's no other way to interpret that. There's no, other, there's no two ways to, re- to interpret that, that verse. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. That one is very clear, extremely clear. I believe today that Jesus, when, when, today when Jesus says, I am the way, either he is or he isn't. I believe that he is and choose to follow him. Today, I believe that when Jesus says, I am the truth, either he is or he isn't. And I believe that he is and choose to believe him. Today, Jesus says, I am the life. Either he is or he isn't. I believe he is and choose to give my life to him that I might receive the life, his life that he offers. I'm betting my eternity, my eternity on the belief that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't bet yours on the idea that he's not. The way, the truth, and the life. I believe it. I'm depending on it for all eternity. That's one thing you don't want to miss the mark on. Either he is or he isn't. I believe he is. Don't you believe that he is not? So he is the way, the truth, and the life. And now somewhat related to that theme of the way, the truth, and the life is another I am passage we're going to look at, and that's found in in John chapter 11. This is where he makes the statement that I am the resurrection and the life. This is, of course, the chapter of the account of Lazarus being raised from the dead. In this chapter, Jesus receives word that his friend Lazarus is very sick. But instead of dropping everything and rushing over there to heal him, He waits an additional two days. I don't know how that was interpreted by his disciples. I don't know how that was interpreted by others who were observing. Jesus, you just received word that Lazarus is really sick. It's kind of an emergency. Jesus didn't drop everything and rush to the emergency. 
Well, after two days, two additional days had passed after he receives word that Lazarus was sick. Jesus says, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. It's interesting to note how often the death of a believer is referred to as sleep throughout Scripture, particularly in, in the New Testament. Of course, throughout the Old Testament, you see, and so-and-so slept with his fathers. This just means like the, their fathers died, their ancestors died, so they died. But when you get to the New Testament, there seems to be a, a different meaning to it. That death no longer is seemingly final where the, the concept may have been somewhat unclear in the Old Testament, that, that lack of clarity uh, goes away in the New Testament because there is life. There is life after death. And we have that very clear in the scriptures, particularly after Jesus himself rose from the dead. Uh, in Luke chapter 8, verses 52 and 53, in the account of uh, Jairus' daughter, now all wept and mourned for her. Little girl had, we would say, died. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. But Jesus is looking at it differently. He's not looking at dead, dead. He's looking at sleeping dead. Stephen, in the book of Acts, chapter 7, after he is stoned, he is stoned for his belief and his preaching of Christ. After he was stoned, he, uh, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For we believe that if Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And so when Jesus tells his disciple, uh, Lazarus is sleeping, I'm going to go wake him up. He's saying, he's dead and I'm going to go raise him. But for us who have lost loved ones in the Lord, that, that we, can, we can say, our loved one is only sleeping. Our loved one will be awakened in the presence of God. We have that hope. Even as Paul told the Thessalonians, I do not want you to be ignorant, brother, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. We have hope. 
We don't have sorrow. Of course, we have, we have sorrow in that we've lost a loved one and we will miss the loved one. But we have hope knowing that there is a resurrection. Amen. There is life. There is resurrection. Now, when the disciples didn't understand, when Jesus says, Lazarus is sleeping, we're gonna, I'm going to go uh, wake him up. They didn't understand what Jesus meant, so Jesus had to say to them plainly, uh, Lazarus is dead. Oh, why didn't you say so? <laughs> I didn't say so because he's only sleeping. Huh? <laughs> but he was going to be raised. Jesus had a plan. Why didn't, why didn't he raise why didn't he go and heal Lazarus when he was sick? Why did he wait two days? Because Jesus had a plan. He had a plan for a great miracle. Jesus said to them, in, okay, that was in verse 14, where he says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Then he goes on in the next verse and says, I am glad for your sake that I was not there. I'm glad I didn't go to heal him that you may believe. You've seen me heal, but I really want you to believe. I'm going to raise him from the dead. That's why I waited two days. That's why I waited for him to be dead and buried, that you might believe. The disciples thought they were going to a funeral, but Jesus had other plans. As they approached the town of Bethany, where Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha were from, as they get close to that city, they're met by Martha, the sister of Lazarus. The other sister, Mary, was at home. Here comes the Lord. And he's greeted by Martha with these words. Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I'm wondering if essentially she's saying, it's your fault that my brother died. Ever notice how quick people are to blame God when something doesn't go according to plan? They don't give them any recognition at any other time in their life, but when something goes bad, somebody up there hates me. No, somebody down there hates you. <laughs> do you praise God when something goes right, or do you only curse him when something goes wrong? It's always God's fault when something goes wrong. Maybe it went wrong because you're a screw-up. Maybe that's why it went wrong. Don't blame God for something you did. Sometimes we blame God and there's no answer. I don't know why some things happen. They just happen. But God be praised in spite of it. People often blame the Lord when things don't go the way they hope. But then God's timing is very often different than ours. His plans are different than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways. 
But yet Martha, in spite of seemingly blaming the Lord that her brother wasn't healed and ended up dying, she still shows some faith when she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she had that hope. Even though she had no hope at the moment, she had hope for the future. I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Though what Martha said was true, Jesus had something else in mind. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Then verse 25, the very next verse, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Martha was holding to a religious doctrine and looking toward a future event. Yes, I believe in the resurrection. And one day, one day, somewhere out there, he'll be raised. But Jesus wanted her to see more than that. He wanted her to see beyond a doctrine. He wanted her to see beyond the future. And what's beyond the future? The present. We think the future is beyond the present, but in this case, the present was beyond the future. When he says to her, I'm the resurrection. I am the life. Jesus' statement that he is the resurrection and the life touched on several spiritual truths. Martha believed that the resurrection was found in an event. Jesus showed her and us that the resurrection is found in a person. Martha's knowledge of eternal life was kind of an abstract, out there, someplace idea, but Jesus proved that eternal life is a person and in a relationship with this person. And Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Martha saw victory over death as a future hope. Jesus corrects her, showing that victory over death is a present reality. Not just a future hope, which, which it is, but there's also a present reality of the, the resurrection. The one who is the resurrection and the life promises our resurrection and confirmed its certainty by its own resurrection, by his own resurrection from the dead. The one who is the resurrection and the life promises abundant life now and eternal life after our physical death. 
The grave couldn't hold Jesus because he is the resurrection. Death could not hold Jesus because he is the life. And if you are a true follower of Jesus, the grave will not hold you. Death will not hold you. Death will not have the final word. The final word belongs to Jesus. The final word is Jesus. Jesus who declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus who declared, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's stand. Lord, you've made some bold statements when you were walking on this earth. You declared to be the way, the truth, and the life. You declared to be the resurrection and the life. You said that you were going to die for the sins of mankind and that you would raise yourself in three days and three days later you did that and proved that you are in fact the resurrection. Lord, may that resurrection and life be ours on a daily basis. May we not just have the hope, but may we live it today. May we not just look forward to life in the future someplace, but may we experience that uh, abundant life here and now. Lord, you are the way. May we follow you. You are the truth. May we believe you. You are the life. May we live you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the I am, the great I am, Lord, and we, we praise you. Lord, we've, we've spent a good amount of time praising you in our service today, but we continue to praise you. You are our life. You are our hope. You are our everything, Lord. You are our everything, and we rejoice in your goodness and grace in our lives. Can you give the Lord an, a hand clap offering? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we go out with a song today? Let's go out with a song. Maybe one we did earlier. Just, just, it seems like we should have a song to celebrate the, the Lord who is the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection and the life. So just rejoice in that. Rejoice that he is who he claimed to be. Hallelujah. And at the conclusion of the song, you may consider yourselves dismissed. But the blessing of the Lord, the great I am, be with you and go with you this week. Amen.